Welcome to the Behind the Racket Pod, the podcast taking you behind the racket with today's top tennis players and biggest issues facing the sport. Behind the Racket is a community to give fans and players in the world of tennis the opportunity to open up like they have never done before. Visit BehindTheRacket.com for the latest stories, merch, as well as direct links to all of the latest podcasts. It can also be found on iTunes, Google Play, Pandora, Stitcher, and wherever you find your podcasts. Download the episodes and make sure to leave a review. And we want you to be a part of the conversation. Find me at NoahRubin33 or Mike at MikeCTennis on all forms of social media. You can also learn more at BehindTheRacket.com or MikeCTennis.com. Special thanks to my sponsor, New Balance. Visit their latest shoes and styles at NewBalance.com and learn more about their program of giving back at hashtag NBGivesBack. You can also help support the podcast by visiting Patreon.com slash BehindTheRacketPod and receive rewards from our travels around the world. And now... Before we get started here today, a big thank you to our latest Patreon supporters, Noah. We have some more, believe it or not. People are actually paying, um, despite the fact that I have been doing nothing but teaching over the last week and you've been doing nothing but losing. So, I mean, all in all, I mean, I, I think it's remarkable that people continue to support us. Okay. <laughs> Quick dig there. Um yeah, let me just bounce back for a second. I would pay a percentage yep. of the Patreon money to figure out why they sent it and who it was actually for. Sure. To make you feel worse percentage. about you as a person. Yeah. yeah. No, listen, I have no... You, you, you have to remember, I actually know I'm not worth anything. That's really important. It's not. Um, no, so that's, that's, that's the thing. <laughs> Um, so thank you to Scott Cole, who has joined the Patreon team. We really should come up with like a name for, for the, the people who support. No, they would. The, the, no, we would never. You get know, like welcome, welcome to the BTR crew or you know, something fun like that. Yeah, I wish people could see um, your face so right now. Scott, thank you. And, and also our friend Lee Stanley. Um, who, who I, I think you've interacted with yeah. him on on. Uh, he he did a right after we released the podcast last week. He did a breakdown of the entire thing within like an hour, uh, which I was grateful for. Uh, Lee Stanley increased his support of of our Patreon. Um, so Lee also it's it's really only a British thing, uh, I have to say. But uh, he does the Twitter account Telly on Tennis, um, and it's it's only for Brits, which is really unfortunate because he basically breaks down where you can watch all of the British players playing every single day. We need something which like is, that. We desperately <laughs> need something like that. Um, but I have incredible admiration for Lee. I also want to send my condolences. You were just holding a kitten, Noah. Uh, our good friend Eric Janssen lost his 19-year-old cat uh, yesterday. A 19-year-old cat. Yeah, remarkable. Um, so Eric, I know Eric is, is having a rough day, and I, I've been texting back and forth with him a little bit, so my, my condolences out to him and everybody who knows him on tennis Twitter knows how big of a, a supporter of especially challenger tennis he is. Um, so thank you, patreon.com slash behind the racket pod. You can support us as well. Um, so I'm texting back and forth with your, uh, your lovely girlfriend, Jamie, uh, the other day, 
during your tennis match. And at one point in the middle of the second set, Noah, you yelled out, oh, we're having fun now. Um, and I want to ask you to start the, today's podcast. Were you having fun? <laughs> um, yeah, it was, it was not the most ideal match to, to start off in the six-month hiatus that I had. Um, I went back and to return the first of, I was actually returning quite well in the beginning of the match, but you really were, but, um, to, to start, to start like that, what I considered basically the first match of the new year, obviously being, Mm -hmm. uh, a few days after Rosh Hashanah, of course, which you know as well, since you're, you're part of the tribe. Um, yeah, not, not ideal. Um, (laughs) he, we had 30 all point. And this is one of those things where you just, you overthink it a little bit. At 30 all, when I had my first break, sliced it to the forehand, he clipped the tape, and then he went for a massive return at 30-40, and that broke back. And that quickly, I was like, oh, I wish that I could just continue some momentum here. And that really changed the mindset a little bit. Um, But I was, I, I was enjoying it. I was enjoying being out there. It was strange. There were so many strange aspects to, to it that not good or bad, just very different. I mean, I know we talked about this a little bit, but never been to Europe during the fall seasons ever. Never, never, never that time. Um, and to be on the clay felt different, new balls. I just enjoyed playing a match. I mean, again, not a lot of uh, <laughs> consistency going on in that court and obviously gave up a few opportunities and it was disappointing. But I think the only real disappointment was that I, I really couldn't go from there to a few tournaments in the U.S. and I'm still waiting to hear what that's looking like and this possible schedule. And, and I'm just hoping, hoping to end um, 2020 with just a couple more matches. That's That's really it right now. I think once you went down in the uh, second set, you went down a break. Um, And again, I I watch you a little bit differently now than I say I would watch somebody who I don't necessarily know all that well. And I could tell once you went down that break, what was it, to 2-1, like there were probably five or six games where you are kind of on walkabout, uh, just, you know, enjoying the sights and sounds and everything that was happening for, for a little bit of time and, you had looks at at the very end. You had you had some opportunities, um, and I, I guess I'm I'm wondering how you um, how you look back at it now in terms of how how you do actually evaluate it. Do you evaluate it as a one off? Do you evaluate it more on the technical side? Do you evaluate it more on the mental side? Yeah, I think I think it's. I mean, you have to evaluate it first and foremost on the mental side. That's always a big one for me. Um, no matter what, this will be so many different asterisks for me because you're talking about coming into Paris during a time of year you're not used to, haven't played a match in seven months, going in against Karlovic, whether he feels comfortable or not on those courts, whether he's 40 or 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 20. Um, it's, a, it's a tough match, and it's, it's going to put a lot of pressure on me to make sure that I don't have any mental lapses. You know, I don't break down at all. And, you know, for somebody that hasn't played a match in a long time, that is a little bit to ask for. Um, so you, you do evaluate on that. You evaluate how the competition was going, and then you take the next step and you look at it from a few different angles, and you see how your game was playing. And, you know, again, I, I, 
I'm not saying my tennis is anywhere where I want it to be right now, but I do feel pretty good about it. I do think I returned fairly well at times um, against a pretty good server, and you do have to. He underarm served you. <laughs> you. Oh my gosh! Fucking idiot. I. I was. I got to admit, I was a little wrecked when that happened. So the first one happened. <laughs> I just want to tell you, I was at a thirty-three percent winning percentage on underarm serves. You were. You were. <laughs> So the first one happens, and I am quick enough that I literally, like, it was in slow motion, and I had time to think about what was taking place. I evaluated the situation as a whole. Ivo Karlovich, him, mm. yeah, underarm serve that me, man. right? All of it, it didn't make sense. And then I had time. I got up and I hit a forehand in the middle of the court because I didn't know what the fuck was going on. And he yeah. roped a forehand past me. And I was like, yeah. what? A deuce point. Deuce point, like two all. Yeah. Because he was out. I, yeah. I, I, <laughs> Noah, it was, I got to admit, it was sexy. Like I was, I was turned on. Okay. That was I'm, I'm shutting this down right now because yeah. I, it, I can't, I can't on Twitter anymore. Not with me, just everybody. It can work once. Like now that this is in people's heads, it works once. So like when P, I, I and I know you're laughing right now, and I see you laughing. I am just you have to agree that it is blown out of proportion. People should do it, do it. Yeah, for sure. But it's it's a one time thing. Disagree. So does so does my man Sasha Bublik. How many times is that guy doing a match? He's doing it once a match. Eighty four. I'm sorry. <laughs> What just happened? I think I think I think I think you can get away with it two or three depending on opponent. Opponent dependent. I mean, I guess what are you looking for? If you're looking for a neutral point, I think you could do it quite often. If you're looking, I mean, first of all, the Christian Garin one didn't make any sense. Yeah. I mean, it was like four inches away from him. I don't know how that was an ace. Stop complaining. Stop complaining. No, I'm just saying. Get off your duff. <laughs> what? Not you, not you complaining, oh. Christian Garin. He's just like, ah, yeah, yeah. I, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't understand ready. the complaining, but again, people are going nuts over this. I'm just like, it's great, try it. it. It's just not, you can't do it. And the people that can do it well, it's very tough. Like to do a really good yes. service, like a, I would say Mute probably has like a really good one. Well, I watched some of him today. Oh man, was he? He was salty. Little bit salty today. Uh, he was not happy that first off. I missed it. What he won his first set. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, his first set. He was not only kicking. Uh, God, who was he playing? Uh, anyways, kicked the guy's ass. Spaniard, can't remember. Kicked the guy's ass and was flirting with Maria, uh, Mariana Valojevic, the the chair umpire, flirting with her, like outright flirting with her. What? Lost the second set. Then it's pouring rain. He's screaming and yelling at everything because the clay is turned into play doh. Lost his shit. I loved it. I enjoyed it so much. Did he and win I the match? To be, it, it got suspended because of rain. Oh, this was late. Tomorrow. This was late at night, or yeah, last match of the day. Gotcha. Yeah, gotcha. So over like three o'clock. Me, like meanwhile, I'm on a on a group chat with the fantasy football boys. Okay. So I've got all these these players, and we're all talking about football. And I'm like, am I the, am I the only one watching <laughs> quarantine right now? Yes. yes. You yeah. Without <laughs> you're probably the only human. No, no, that's not true. I there would... were five people in the stands. 
Um, yes. These balls, Noah. Yes. These balls are creating a lot of controversy. Yeah. Uh, Dan Evans saying that it's only fit for a dog. <laughs> uh, I, Rafa, I love obviously. Him lately, by the way. I know he's he's great. I, I I don't know what he thinks about you, but he's great. no, he probably does, uh, or has an opinion. Uh, what what was it what like was to it play like? with him? Yeah. Preface, and this is and this is something you don't hear often. I don't know many people, if any, that ever complained about the RG Babylon balls. I don't okay. know one person that did. We all love them. Obviously, sponsorships, whatever the case may be, switch to the Wilson. Um, I will say they fluff up like crazy and you can't get much off of them after a while. Mm. Um, but I don't know why. Like, I'm thinking like to balls that I hated, like Oracle. During that time, I yeah. just, oh, right. you know, you heard a lot of people complaining about them. I, my favorite line for a long time was I called them CVS balls. I had the ones that you find yeah. in the back stock room at CVS. They're like, yeah, oh, tennis balls. We, we got them. Yeah. We'll, we'll get them. Yeah, right. Um, but these, would I put them like so far down on totem pole? No. I mean, for, for a lot of people are coming out of it. I just think people are in a bad place right now. I really, I mean, we're seeing it. We're seeing how tough it is, and everybody likes to shit on me, which is easy. It's fine, and please do be my guest, and you do yeah. it as well. I mean, yep. obviously, yeah, I do it well. You do, you're it's the one really... talent I have. <laughs> it's on your resume, <laughs> but you know, it just seems like it's it's starting to affect people. I mean, you, you're seeing people that I don't think normally would come out and and speak out about the cold and okay. all of this. Let me let me clarify yes. then. Um, are are you saying? Because I could, I could take that two ways. Yeah. Number one, is it as somebody who's been in the challengers for the last four or five years, yeah. you've seen, I mean, just kind of shitty conditions, shitty balls at times as well. Yeah. I mean, are, are you saying that maybe the top level guys are making more of a big deal of it because they're not used to that? Or are you saying that I think uh, well, something I actually said to my mom yesterday, people when their, their insecurities are and anxieties are amplified right now because of COVID, because of all the stress. It's, I wouldn't say it's the first one because there are definitely some tournaments. I mean, I, I remember like Hamburg or something like that, where it was like snowing, like they've dealt with mm. shitty conditions before. I just think yeah. you put that on top of all the anxiety that's put on. Okay. What I think is the biggest issue right now for a lot of the players is the uncertainty, the uncertainty of all the sure. rules going around, not knowing what works. I mean, God, we have to have uh, a graph of pairs, positive and negative tests to find out when he's playing and when he's not playing. You know, it's, you know, that kind of pressure is something that we, we talk about a lot. Players deal with so much to add on to something and for something to be new and unexperienced. I think, you know, you're looking for these great conditions at a slam. You're always looking for the best, the pinnacle, but it's not going to yeah. come this year. And you add on that, it's freezing cold and you're worrying about your physio testing positive and you're like, I can't get to my food and now it's raining. It's like all of that piles up on top of not getting perfect training and it's been six months off or whatever the case may be. And then you hear people that you don't really hear being outspoken speaking up. And that's where we are now. So that brings me to what I wanted to talk about with, with, relation to covid off the record or that. on the record no we're going to talk oh, about okay. it on the record cool, cool, cool. <laughs> i didn't know we do anything off the record here <laughs> um 
we should probably start. It's probably better for both of us <laughs> if we do more things off the record. I might actually get more work. Um, so uh, Novak um, was trying to speak out about the fact that um, Fernando Verdasco didn't get a second test. Uh, Ernesto Escobedo, and you talked about that a little bit last week, that those players did not get a second test. Um, Ellen Perez, a supporter of BTR and the podcast, um, she, she put out a poll, what's the worst rule situation that's happened going on, talked about the no second tests, uh, you know, Benoit, um, all of that. And, and I thought actually one of the best responses was Gabby Dabrowski, who's been on the show before, who said, yeah, it's the no second chances, but right now the complete inconsistency you as an ATP player received last week an, uh, a letter email from the ATP saying, hey, we, we know there's a lot of different stuff going on. Um, it's, it's been out there in the media, so it's, it's on the record, so you don't have to worry about that. <laughs> but basically, it was just saying, we know there's a lot of differences between tournaments trying to work with the local health, you know, uh, government, public health governments in each of di these different countries, Noah. Is that realistic? It's not. It's not. And, and people said, oh, you know, you're fighting governments. You can't win. I'm like, you can. You err on the side of caution. I, I don't know why we don't do that right now. I don't know why we can't err on the side of caution. Do I agree that, you know, I, I struggle to realize how we got to a point where this many people that have tested positive for the antibodies are now testing positive for covid months and months and months later since they had COVID, you know, you have things like that where, you know, there should be testing protocols that are enforced by ATP that are okay for all governments. I don't know why we can't do it. I don't know why we can't have something that makes players feel comfortable that says, hey, this is what's going to happen for every tournament indefinitely. This is what's going to happen. Yes. I don't care. And, and, you know, and I told Ernesto this, and I felt awful for him. And obviously we saw the Instagram stories. He was losing his mind. He like was set yes. free like he was a circus animal. Um, yes. But if there is even one positive test, you can't argue it. You know, you, I, I don't think we're in a place, you know, where you can argue that right now. If you have to, because we don't have the time to do two negative tests ever, after. That would be the only way I feel comfortable. And I know it's, mm. and I know it's strange because again, people are testing positive for antibodies and now testing positive for COVID, but we don't have the time. People are not, if you're gonna do this, do it the right way. Nothing has made sense. You know, COVID is not new to us. We understand, and I'll finish it up here. We understand that, you know, it could take up to 14 days to contract it. And, you know, all of these days of quarantine, the 24 hour quarantine period, what, is, what does it even do? <laughs> you know, I've never yeah. really understood any of these rules and it just made no sense to me and put me in a place where just we were just taking shots in the dark. I I would like to just be concise about this. When we were talking, we had, we did a podcast where it was my rant, uh, where I was mm -hmm. talking about how all these exhibitions were just doing their own thing. Doing yeah, this yeah. Thing. We're, we're doing that again. Yeah. Except now it's for real. What the fuck? What the fuck? Somebody, somebody at the top say, listen, we appreciate that everybody's trying to do the best they can. Listen, you and I both know we've been told specifically, we're all trying the best we can. Yeah, yeah, we're doing. doing I was told that can. specifically at the U.S. Open by somebody. And let me just say, 
I respect that. I appreciate that. We need to make it the same. Every tournament has a, 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 here are the protocols. Here's what it is. Here's what it is. Here's what it is. For the rest of this calendar year, simple, done, and make it strict enough that you're comfortable with it. I understand the Australian Open, you know, they came out with what they're going to be doing here um, at the end of December and January. And that's a different story where there will be a little bit of space, right? That's one thing. But for right now, everybody has to follow this rule set up by the ATP and the WTA. Boom. Do it or no tournaments. Highlighting the idea that people are paving their own path. Federations are paving their own path. We've seen it before. And just an FYI, you don't have to say it. We're not doing the best we can. We're really not. We, we've. I feel like we got to the ninety, and we we dropped oh, the ninety. That was that was good. That's how much I've been watching football lately. We got to the ten yard line. <laughs> we got to the ten yard line and just dropped the ball. We've seen it all before. We saw it at the Open. They're not selling out hotel hotels. We see it at the French Open. People, they're allowing people to go between the French and the practice courts by walking. This just happened. This that. wasn't during qualifying. They just started allowing this. I'm just like, we can't. Stop faking it. You know it's going to come out. Stop faking it. So if you're going to say, hey, players, we're going to do this, but at your own risk, I would actually almost appreciate that more. Mm. Tell me that I am risking the, the, the chance to get, and I'm not going to see my family because I'm not going to take that chance. Tell me it's at my own risk. And then I, and then I look at things differently. But you're telling me that this is safe to play, that you're trying to protect me. That's when I have the issues. That's when I uncover and I lift up the blanket and I'm like, whoa, <laughs> that doesn't seem okay. I, in hindsight, Noah, I think, frankly, I think the U.S. Open for the rest of this year at least is going to be the pinnacle of what it is in terms of prevention and uh, taking as many precautions as you can. I think the USTA and the US Open are going to be the pinnacle in 2020 of what could or can be done to help limit the spread. I think that's where I'm going to start. Mm-hmm. I think I, I think from there, I, I think that was incredibly well put because I, I think if, if everybody is going to be every man for themselves for the tournaments, if that's what you want, then you know what? You're exactly right. Say to players, don't know. Don't know. Don't know. And then you let players on their own terms figure it out. That's the issue right uh, now. And what's unfortunate about that is, like, I, I do think about somebody like Serena Williams, um, who is a, more at risk. You know, and she doesn't play any tournaments. I, I, she, this is, I think, the first time in six years that she's played post-U.S. Open. Yeah. <laughs> um, and obviously it's for a slam, right? But I, I think about somebody like that or somebody in similar circumstances who might be lower ranked. Why, why would they take that risk? You know what I mean? Why, why would they take that risk? I also find myself thinking, listen, Fernando Verdasco is a name. Don't get me wrong. He's, he's, a, he's a name. Mm-hmm. But what if, what if what happened with Fernando, the, he, what he believes is the false positive re- result, what if that happens to Novak? What if that happens to Simona Halep? Nadal Jesus at the French. Christ, right? Yeah. Right. Nadal at the French. I yeah. mean, that's I, like all of this is just so inconsistent. And I, I think you're absolutely right. We e- it's, it's like we either say, here is a standard for every tournament. This is what we're going to follow. These are the rules. Or every man for themselves. Mm-hmm. You can't just try to go through the middle and say, eh, 
you know, we think we're doing the best we can. On paper saying, yeah, yeah, that's that's the thing. Saying that quote and then me telling you you're not, this is why these are the issues we're having. You know, and again, we've, we've spoken about this, but this goes back to the same examples we've spoken about. It's this idea that tennis seems to be always 10 steps behind other sports, always forcing it, not really knowing what to do next. And it's scary. And it's scary. And if the people at the top of the sport can't see that when I'm getting these new advancements and the vision they have for the sport, I'm like, this doesn't change anything that we're dealing with right now. You don't have a vision to evolve the sport to put us in a place where we don't have to worry about these things. And that's, you know, this, this is obviously a grander scale. I'm hoping we don't have another pandemic in our lifetime. But at the same point, you know, we're going to have this on much smaller scales and we're going to have the same issues. So I think we have to wake up because right now it's, it's pretty embarrassing. Uh, did you have fun? I mean, legitimately. Did you enjoy your experience? I missed competing. I missed just like running down tennis balls. That was the problem. I mean, and Ernesto, please don't take this wrong. And I know you've just had a tough week, but like <laughs> I was, it was like the first time in a long time I was like super jealous because here I am playing doubles with him. He had the opportunity to play singles and I'm just watching him compete. And of course I want him to win, but the jealousy of, of him being on the court and me not able to <laughs> ask him, I mean, you saw it for yourself, ask him how the practices yeah. went. The practices before, I was just trying to run down any ball he hit because I just wanted it so badly. So, yes, it was it was enjoyable, and it made me really, really hope that there's a few more tournaments um, at the back end of the schedule. Um, we'll see. And, and what the USTA has announced officially so far um, are three uh, women's events in Macon, Georgia, Tyler, Texas, Charleston. Um, and then a couple of futures, some M15s and M25s in Florida and Texas is what they've officially announced so far here in the States. Uh, I have, in the last few days, in fact, again, I don't want to go too deep into the discussions, but I, uh, that was a cat. Yeah, claws my a, face. I just, <laughs> I just heard a cat there. Sorry, keep going. Um, <laughs> just just kind of just fix this wound on my neck for a second. <laughs> Oh, cats. Okay, keep going. <laughs> um, I, I, I know, going back to our discussion about, you know, every man for themselves, in talking with my friends at the USTA Pro Circuit, I know they are doing everything they can to do things to the highest standard possible. And I am thankful for that personally. Again, everybody knows my connection with them. That's fine. I am so thankful that I... I feel like they are doing everything they possibly can to put us in the best possible shape. And that's probably why we might be lagging behind a little bit with all of, you know, so many of our friends are over in Europe right now playing in those events. But I, I, I know that that's why they're waiting until the middle of October, end of October to put these events on. Um, that being said, uh, I am teaching um, <laughs> a six-year-old right now. And... Um, Teachers do not get paid enough. Man. Oh, my mom's going to like that shout out. Yeah. Um, are you learning yourself you at are, all? You know, uh, not yet. It's not quite to, to that level where there's, there's things that I don't remember. I mean, this is very basic, you know, 10 minus 3. 6. Uh, yes. I mean, you did go to Wake Forest, which is a fake university. I, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure Wake Forest is equivalent to Trump U. I'm, it was no UNC. I'm, I'm pretty though. sure it's. We actually had to do I'm our pretty own sure work. It's the, 
Lord. Shout out to Jamie Loeb. I mean, like, I, <laughs> I, I, I find myself thinking about, you know, like, like Will Blumberg, our friend, just uh, recently announced that he's going back to North Carolina for his for his twelfth year. Year, I believe. I, f- yeah, I feel like, like he's been in school forever. I'm sorry, Will. I just, yeah. Will Blumberg is a very talented player. Very. I actually talked to him a little bit, uh, and he said, "Listen, I, I just want to, I want to, I'm not going to have a lot of opportunities to play as a professional right now, so I'm going to go back to school." Will Blumberg at North Carolina has to have gotten like six degrees over those five years. I mean, because the schooling is so bad, like you should be able to have, he should have a PhD at this point. Where'd you go to school? I went to the University of Illinois, which has three people competing at the French <laughs> Open tomorrow. Three. Okay. Not just one or two, but three. We have, we have a Grand Slam champion. Who? We have a Grand Slam finalist and a guy making his main draw debut. I mean, really, what more do you want? The worst part is... Yeah. I actually like the guys, so I can't really talk shit about them because I actually like them. You, on the other hand, yeah. right? How do you how do you even get led into this school? Well, it was a much different time. I mean, back in the back in the nineteen sixties, <laughs> um, you know, all you had to do was just know a guy. It's a different time. Do you pay more than seven hundred and fifty dollars a year in taxes? Because I do. <laughs> I sure as hell do. <laughs> I really do. Uh, that's that's quite remarkable. I need to. I need a different accountant apparently <laughs> than myself. <laughs> uh, Noah, what's uh, you're you're in Minnesota? Yeah. Uh, you're playing with cats. Yes. Yes, I am with my wonderful girlfriend that's sitting next to me right now. And uh-huh. no, I'm going to enjoy a few more days here. I I do like to say I have an announcement coming soon, and I'm excited about okay. it. You know a little bit about it. It's uh, just a little, just a little. Yeah. Um, but yeah, working on that and then hoping that we know better about the schedule and finishing that out. And that's that's about it. Picking some pumpkins. Are you, oh, we did that today. Uh, you, you coming to Tulsa to train? No. I, I'm beforehand. It's looking good. Is it? Uh, it's looking good, we, buddy. But I want the back end to be super. <laughs> what? If it makes that sound, like that. we definitely have to talk further. Well, the string the strings haven't be, been restrung in a year and a half. Print synthetic, from, literally, <laughs> from the from the nineteen sixties. What a time! Oh god, it's a great time to be alive. This is one of our worst of, podcasts. Yeah, some of our love. Yeah, so there goes our patreons. Can you have, delete the whole thing? Yeah, or? just start over. Can I tell you a quick story? Oh. So uh, uh, this was, we'll end with this. Okay. The fun one. Yeah. As you take. So um, when I got married uh, back in the day, then went, we went on a honeymoon where we basically did the entire West Coast. Uh, My now ex-wife and I started in Los Angeles, then drove to, uh, she had a, she had a friend's wedding. Okay. And then we went to San Francisco. That was where really the honeymoon started. Uh, Right. Okay. And so uh, we had two days in San Francisco, Noah. Uh, we got to San Francisco and we parked in the hotel parking lot. I opened the door and the first thing I see is a woman taking a poop behind a garbage can. That was literally the first thing I saw as I uh, stepped out of my vehicle to start my honeymoon. The, later that day, 
we went to Hate Ashbury, the the famous uh, commune mm-hmm. for hippies back in the late sixties, seventies. We're just walking down and trying to you know catch the vibe and everything. And then I saw a woman swearing at people on the street, and then she got hit by a bus. Are you fucking kidding me? None of that is false. That's all true. Why telling me this now? Why? Well, ever? I figured this is the <laughs> this is the worst podcast we've ever had. <laughs> so you had to uh, end so it. So I figured I end it in like the worst possible way. Nobody's gonna listen to us ever again. That's fine. Um, it's probably for the best. Really, we'll have a better one next week. We'll get a guest on. Can we get Can we get a guest? Yeah, it's been tough. Yeah, people are screaming yeah. and and saying bad things. <laughs> <laughs> to you or to, to life. All right, I'll just text somebody. Okay, see ya. Uh, Enjoy your time. Yeah, apple picking. The show might be over, but the conversation isn't. Join us on social media, at NoahRubin33, at MikeCTennis, and at Behind the Racket. Expect new episodes every Monday or Tuesday. And don't forget to leave us a rating on iTunes. It really helps us expand and reach more listeners as we take you Behind the Racket.